Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I um, I just really want to uh, I want to I want to finish uh, this series that we've been in and uh, bring a, a sense of, of finality to it, um, and just kind of put the put the bow on it, so to speak, um, so that it can um, can empower us. And so, with that, let's turn to First Peter chapter one. And uh, this has been our our springboard verse. Uh, during this whole time when we've been been talking about this, and uh, you know, this is an area that if we can really get a hold of this and get this area solid in our lives, it's really it's going to change. It's going to change your life in the most positive way. Um, it's gonna it's gonna bring a peace into your life. It's gonna bring a redemption into your life. <clears throat> it's gonna bring a strength into your life um, that really that 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 really nothing else can. And, uh, and I'm just really talking about getting a hold of, uh, of your thoughts and getting a hold of uh, just the renewal of your mind. You know, the Lord, he, he does the work in your spirit in a moment. You know, in the twinkling of an eye, you get born again. But the renewal of the mind is a process. And changing the way we think is a process. And it happens out of a place of relationship. Um, it happens out of spending time with the Lord. And uh, it's extremely important, man, because you, you want to be able to experience in your life the salvation that's already happened in your heart. Uh, you want to be able to experience that. You want to be able to experience it, um, you know, just in the way you see yourself, the way, the, the, the way you see the world around you. And you really, you, you, real change is, you know, I, 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 I counsel people all the time. And, uh, and I, you know, pray for people all the time. And I, you know, just endeavor to help people all the time, just not, not only in our church, but just all over the place, and, um, and I want to make myself available to do that, but a lot of times, man, the, the reason that people struggle in a certain area, or they deal with addiction, or they deal with depression, or they, they deal with the challenges that they're dealing with, it's, it's a product of their thoughts, and really, man, you, you can pray for somebody, and they, it can definitely bring an element of deliverance into their life, but a lasting deliverance is a renewed mind. It really is. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot less flashy. Um, it's a lot less, for a lot of people, a lot less exciting. You know, we just want someone to be able to pray for us, and all of a sudden this, this thing is going to happen. And, and, and I'm not discounting prayer by any stretch of the means, because you can receive a miracle, and your life can be changed in a moment of time during prayer. But if you don't, if we don't get in there and allow the Word of God to wash our mind and change the way we think, then any deliverance that's brought into your life is going to be temporary. It's not going to be lasting. A lasting deliverance is a renewed mind. You know, God, God wants to, you know, like, and I've shared this before, but when I first got saved, you know, I was born again, but I still thought like a drug addict. I still thought like an unfaithful person. I still thought like, you know, lying, cheating, awful person and I had experienced a salvation in my spirit that changed me forever. But if I wanted to get some of that, the beauty of Christ that was in me on the outside of me, you know, and changing the way I acted and changing the way I walked, changing the way I talked, changing the way I thought, then I was going to have to really develop a relationship with truth and the way that God sees things. Because how many know when I received Jesus, when you received Jesus, you were changed in the twinkling of an eye. But we want to bring that salvation into our minds, into our soul. And that, that involves hearing truth. And, and hearing truth and hearing truth and hearing truth and allowing it, 
um, to renew your mind. How I many you know when you've believed a lie for a long time, that lie has the ability to take control over your life, even though it's not true? You know, you, you see people, um, you know, the, the, a, a good example of this would be uh, someone who struggles with like anorexia or something like that. There they are. And, you know, and, and they're, they're, very, they're very thin, you know, almost dangerously thin, but yet in their mind, they believe that they're overweight. And so because they believe that they're overweight, they can look into a mirror, even though they're not overweight, in fact, they're underweight. They can look into a mirror and that lie just keeps telling them, you need to lose more weight, you need to lose more weight, you need to lose more weight. You don't have value unless you're skinnier. You know, you don't have, you know, you're not worthy of love unless you're skinnier. You're not valuable. You don't have worth unless you're skinnier. And so, how I many you know that lie can literally kill somebody? And, you know, because I've seen, I feel like social media has given opportunity for us to see more of people's challenges and struggles. And, um, you know, and that's kind of a two-edged sword. There's good things about that and not good things about that. But, you know, I didn't realize how many people really struggled with anorexia, really, I guess, until social media, because I start seeing these stories of people who basically were about to die. They're, you know, they weigh like 65 pounds, 75 pounds, and, and what's happened is a lie has wrapped itself around their head, and it's killing them. And so they're, they're trying to pursue something. Uh, how many know that no amount of lost weight can make you feel beautiful? No amount, no amass a, a sum of money can make you, can make a man feel worthy. I'm just being honest with you. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I go to gyms a lot, you know, I, I love going to the gym and I work out a lot. And I was talking to this guy, I hope he's not watching, <laughs> but, uh, and you know, he's, he's a really, he's a really, he's a re- very, he's a big dude. He's a big, he's like a bodybuilder type guy. But as I talked to him, you know, and we were really like talking, talking, you know, I mean, you know, ministry can happen anywhere. Yeah. Ministry needs to happen wherever you're at, wherever you're at. That's where ministry needs to happen. Just care about people, love on people, let God lead you, you know. But as he began to talk to me, he just began to reveal to me how small he felt. So I just feel so small. I, just, I feel so small. This, dude, shoot, this dude's benching over 300 pounds. And, um, but he began, he began to relay to me a, um, what he began to reveal to me was a, a lie that he believed. And so as a result of that, you know, he comes into the gym and he's, he's, he's a big, strong guy but he feels very small. And so while he's in the gym, the drive behind what he's doing is he's trying to make himself feel more valuable. How I many you know no amount of muscle he puts on is going to change the lie that's in his mind? How I many you know no amount of weight that's lost is going to change the lie that's in a woman's mind? Man, I'm telling you what, self-worth is not something that's found from the outside end. Self-worth has got to be something that's found from the inside out. And ultimately, it's got to be found in Jesus. The only way you can find real self-worth is in Jesus Christ. Because the way the world operates is you've got to compete with somebody else. You've got to be better. You've got to be stronger. You've got to be thinner. You've got to be prettier. You've got to have more money. You've got to be more masculine. You've got to have more education. You've got to, you've got to, you got to. And how many of you are in a constant battle for worth? And how many know now that we're all connected through social media? We find out there's always someone more attractive. There's always someone that has more money. There's always someone stronger. 
And so the world's sense of validation is always presented in competition. Now, I mean, if I'm competing with someone, I can't really love them at the same time. Because when they fail, I get promoted. And so, in, in my mind. Like, so, if I'm looking at someone and I'm competing with them to try to, make, to validate my own self in whatever format it's in, when they fail, that's why gossip is so attractive. Gossip seeks to tear down other people to feel better about ourselves. I mean, that's a worldly wisdom. And if I'm in that system of competition, then what ends up happening is I'm not looking to care for people or to love people. I actually want bad things to happen to people so I can feel better about myself. That's a worldly wisdom. I mean, that's why people watch Jerry Springer and stuff like that. It is. Because you watch, I mean, there's an element of just being funny and crazy. But there's also this element of those people are more messed up than I am. (laughs) Or just reality TV in general, you know, to make ourselves feel better. And the... The world cannot give you a worth from the inside out. It's incapable of it. Only Jesus can give you a worth that's from Him. And how many know that that when His worth is deposited in you, you don't have to play these silly games that everybody else is playing. It'll set you free from needing other people's approval, for needing them to find you attractive or to think that you're strong or that you have money or that you're educated or that you're whatever or capable or whatever, whatever form that you want to... Everybody in here, you got a scale that, you're, that, you're, that, that the enemy would try to weigh you in. Be different for everybody. I mean, you know, moms have a scale. God help you mamas. Mom guilt is insane. It really is. It's crazy, man. And, and, but there's all these different scales... But, but Jesus came and He broke those scales and he, he put His standard on the inside of you. And the more you can embrace your worth in Christ, the less you're going to compete with other people and the more you're going to actually care about people and love people. Can I get an amen? That's the only freedom. The only freedom is love. The only life worth living is a life lived in love. Being loved and loving. That's the only way you're going to get set free from yourself. <laughs> it's the only freedom. And, you know, number one, it's, it's receiving love. Can I get an amen? And, that's, and, and, and the reality, and so the, the girl dealing with anorexia, I mean, you know, God wants to come to her and wants to save her, but not only does He want to save her, He wants to reveal her worth to her so she doesn't need a mirror to make her feel good about herself. Can I get an amen? And, and the guy that I was talking about that, that, uh, in the gym I mean, he, does, he wants to set him free from thinking that he's got to be big and strong in order to be valuable. Are y'all tracking me here? And, and how I many know that only happens through truth? You've got to change the way you think if you want to be set free. Amen. See, and it's funny because like we, we all want, we, we, we want ministry and we want prayer and we want deliverance and we want help and those things are wonderful but how I many you know there there's an element of you've got to change the way you see yourself and that only happens through truth and how I many you know God wants to change the way you see yourself and all God wants you to do is to for you to see yourself as you truly are that's all you got to do 
see yourself as you truly are. How many know how you truly are in Christ is more than enough? Amen. amen. It's worthy. It's good. Amen. Can I get an amen? I mean, like that you're, who you truly are is amazing. The challenge is all the lies that get heaped on us. And, and what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to elevate the opinions of people above the opinions of God. And how many know the fear of man is a snare? When we, when we are looking for people's approval, we're looking for our validation through people, how many know we live in a constant state of being manipulated? Like, when these people like me, I'm okay. Now these people don't like me, now I'm not okay. These people like me, I'm okay. How many know you cannot make everybody happy? And you make this crowd happy, you make this crowd mad. You make this crowd happy, you make this crowd mad, right? And then what happens is, is what a horrible thing is it for your value to be up and down like this on a daily basis? Your value just being tossed against the wall? Your value being slapped against this wall? I mean, oh, God has a rock named Jesus. And His approval will set your feet on solid ground so that you can be the same person no matter who you're around. That's one of the most beautiful things that grace does. One of the ways that grace sets you free from the dominion of sin is it teaches you who you really are. I mean, no, you're not, you are not a sinner. Amen. You're not. I mean, you're, I mean you're not called to be in dominion to sin. I mean, you're not called to be in dominion to anorexia. You're not called to be in dominion to any of these things. Again, amen. Nothing has power over you. And, and so... Who you, what grace will do is it'll teach you who you truly are, and then you start operating out of your heart. I just, I want so bad to be able to convey this to people. I don't, I, I just, I'm, I don't feel like I'm effectively conveying this. And, uh, but I want people to understand this because of the freedom that I've experienced in this. When you live out of your heart, it don't matter who you're around. It don't matter what crowds you're in. It doesn't matter who thinks what of you. Because, because you are living out of your heart and you have the value of Christ in you, you can be yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How I many know that is the greatest freedom? To realize that you are enough. And if they don't like you, that's their problem. Seriously. Oh, <laughs> the freedom to take the snare of man off of your mind. The freedom. Now, that it is a freedom that must be nurtured by the love of God. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I mean, no, you need a steady, regular dose of God's love and approval of you so that when people disapprove of you, you can handle that rejection. See, sometimes rejection is the greatest thing that can happen to you. And there will be no amens on that. But honestly, it is because when the world rejects you or where a person rejects you or a group rejects you, it will cause you to run to your father and get your validation from him. Now, it's painful to be rejected. Why? It's an attack against your worth. It's an attack against who you are, saying you're not good enough, you're not, you're not worthy, you're not enough, right? But if you'll... If you'll, if you'll, if you'll if you'll let go of dependence on the need for people's approval. How I many you know you can't be a man pleaser and serve God? 
If, if your heart is to be a man pleaser, then you're, you're going to walk in the world. Like, and how many know the world says in order to please me, you've got to step away from Jesus? Seriously. That's, you you want to please me? You've got to step away from Christ because we ain't about that. And, and as you let go of the need to please the world or just anybody for your validation and your value, and you step over into Christ and finding out who you are and getting your mind renewed to that reality, and you start getting comfortable operating out of your own heart, then there's a freedom that comes into your life that's a greater freedom than anything that you think is going to validate you can give to you. What are you talking about? How many know a car doesn't validate you? How many know a house don't validate you? How many know a person don't validate you? Money don't validate you. Beauty don't validate you. Strength doesn't validate you. Success, according to the world, doesn't validate you. How many know each one of those are fig leaves that eventually fall off? It will cover, it will cover you for a season. And, and sadly enough, many people live their life from fig leaf to fig leaf to fig leaf to fig leaf, and then they die. And, and I'm here to tell you right now that, that you don't need a fig leaf. The robe of righteousness is enough to cover you and to give you value. Amen? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so there, there's, this, there's this place of, of pulling the lies out of your mind. I mean, you know, in order for someone to get set free from anorexia, the, the freedom's not going to come through lost weight. How many of you there's something that needs to be healed in their mind? There's a, there's a self-image that's been put there by the enemy. The same thing for the guy that I'm talking about. How big, how, how, how big is big enough? You, it's never going to be enough. You just need a little bit bigger. Someone else is bigger. Someone else is stronger. Someone else is faster. It's a rat race. You can't win. It's a trick. It's a lie. It's a hamster wheel. Jump off. <laughs> Jump into the arms of Jesus and be enough. And see, when, when you start to value yourself, people will start to value you because you value yourself. Now, some people are going to reject you no matter what because that's just who they are. And who cares, right? Um, but, but when you start to know your own value, you're not going to compromise yourself and compromise your integrity and compromise your standards in order to get their approval of you. How many of the approval of a person is, can be intoxicating? You know, why? Because we all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We all want to be told that we're enough. But, but a person can't satisfy that on the inside of you. Nobody can. Even a spouse can't. Only Jesus Christ can. Only Jesus can satisfy that place of acceptance. And, um, and you've and you, and you got to keep going back to it and back to it and, str- and strengthening yourself in the love of God and the acceptance of God so that the fig lives, the fig leaves, the fig lies, the, amen, the fig leaf lies that parade around in the earth won't, won't attract you and won't hold you up and won't get you caught up in it. You'll be, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? It's great to, 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 to make progress in things and to do well and to, to, to perform well. That's great. That's a part of God's, God, God wants for you. I mean, you know, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. God said, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to perform well. I'll make you for, perform well. I'll, I'll put favor on your life. I'll bless you. Just don't get your validation in that stuff. 
Get your validation in me. Let it be about me. Don't let it be about anybody else. Don't let it be about anything else. How many know when your validation is in the Lord, you become safe for success? When your validation is in the things that you do, how many know you can lose yourself in pride? You can lose, your, you can lose yourself in the accolades of people. You know, sometimes I think some of the most desperate and sad people on earth are the people that seek after fame. They are some of the loneliest, most insecure people on earth because they need so badly for everyone to like them so they can feel okay about themselves. And we live in a society where, everybody, where people worship these people. If there's one thing this past year has done for me, and I've always known this to some degree, but man, the curtain's been pulled back. I don't envy the people on TV anymore. <laughs> I don't envy the famous people anymore. Not that, there was, not that I ever did. Like I mean, I did when I was a child, but... But like now more than ever, I think, y'all are idiots. <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to be mean to them. They need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, it's like the, the curtain has been pulled back. It's like, whoa, I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with that. And, and uh, because how I many you know that the spirit of this world will promote its own? Yeah. Not saying that there aren't people who are famous, that are godly and are appointed and are supposed to be there, because there are. God said that not many noble are called, but some. You know, when we say noble, we talk about people that, you know, have fame or clout or whatever you want to call it. But, but as a whole, um, seeking after that, that's not it, man. That's not, that's not joy. That's not happiness. That's not goodness. I mean, you know, you're a part of a different kingdom. Amen? And so, but you've been invited to renew your mind with truth. And that's what's going to actually bring freedom into your life. Amen? Let, let, let's and gird up the loins of your mind. Talking about getting a hold of your, your thought process. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, please. And, and because the rubber meets the road in the way we think, in the way we see ourselves. And we talked about this um, a couple weeks ago, but I want to briefly touch on this and I want to kind of move forward and finish this, this series up. But... Um, in Second in, in Corinthians chapter ten, I mean, you know, the real battle is is the mind. It's the way you know you you see yourself, and it's the way it's your self image. It's the way we think, and we want we want to tear down any strongholds of false image out of our minds. You know, I, I had a a very well built lie in my head that I was a a, 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 a womanizer and a person who was a partier. You know, how did that happen? Well, my, my role model growing up, that's who he was. I had an uncle. He was a womanizer, and he was a partier. And so I thought, hey, this is, this is, what, um, this is what masculinity is. MTV really solidified that for me, you know, and, and, and you know, to my, you know pop, popular culture. And so I sought masculinity through a route, a perverse route of a lie. And so I developed a lie on the inside of me, and... I got saved, and but but I mean I still thought like a drug addict, still still thought like a horrible person, and so the word of God had to come in like a hammer and start tearing down that false image. How I many know well-meaning parents can speak a lie over you? Well-meaning parents, even though they love you, how I many know if you if you steadily speak a, a weakness over a child? Or you speak something over a child consistently, how I many you know, they will embrace that as this is who I am. And so it doesn't mean your parents were bad. It just means they didn't know. 
And so, how I many know the enemy will try to use some authority figure to build a false image of who you are in your mind so that that's the vehicle that you experience life through? That you're nothing but a fearful person, you're a worrier, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. And so, if you really want to change, sometimes you got to take the Word of God as a hammer, the place of your identity in Christ, and you got to tear that lie down. Because how many know you can be saved for 30 years and still be operating out of a lie? On who you are. Amen. And so we got to tear it down. And so in order to tear it down, we've got to, we've got to let go of the person that they said we were. We've got to let go of the person that we said we were. And we've got to embrace Jesus. How many know that you're, you're new identities in Christ? As He is, so are we in this world. What do you look like? Well, you look like love. You look like joy. You look like peace, kindness, and gentleness, and faithfulness. How many know you're a good person? How, how, what are you saying, Jeremiah? I'm saying that you're, if you're in Christ, then God has made you good. Amen. And so we've got to embrace that, and we've got to tear down the false if we want to change. Now, the, the beauty of it is, is we don't have to change in order to get to heaven. Praise God. But you will have to change to get some heaven on earth. How I many you know the thief on the cross got saved in a moment? But he, his lifestyle didn't change. He died a thief, even though he was a child of God on the inside. Well, if, you, if you'll make a decision to embrace some truth, God will bring some change into your life. And how I many of them make your life better? But one of the things we've got to be willing to do, the only way you can be wise is learn how to handle correction. There is no wisdom outside of correction. There is no wisdom outside of correction. There's no wisdom outside of correction. And see, what legalism did is it set us up to base our identity in what we did. So that when we were correct, so now when we get a little bit of correction, we feel condemned. And then we feel condemned and then we reject it. Listen, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're forgiven eternally. It's not a part-time forgiveness, not a partial forgiveness. It's an eternal forgiveness. Can I get an amen? God made this thing where we couldn't mess it up. Because if we could mess it up, we would. But he made it where we couldn't. He cut the covenant with himself, and then he brought us into himself. And now, Jesus' perfect obedience has been forever set to your account. On your good days, on your bad days, on your not-so-great days, you're still the righteousness. How I many of you still a child of God? Can I get an amen? You are in Christ. That's not going to change. But when, you start, when we start to get our identity in Jesus... I mean, you know, suddenly we can develop a taste for wisdom. What are you talking about? I don't want what I can produce. Like, I've seen what I can do. It's not good, you know? And so, like, I want God's stuff. I want His way. He's knows, he knows what's up. He knows how to live His life. And so, in order for me to get to the place where I'm ready to embrace wisdom... I have to have my identity in Christ so that when, re- when correction comes, it doesn't feel like rejection. When correction comes, it doesn't feel like rejection. How many know if every aspect of correction to the way I see myself and the way I think, I immediately be- become reject. I feel rejection. How many know I can't be taught? And if I can't be taught, what does that make me? A fool. Amen. I know all about it. Used to be one. <laughs> Amen. 
But, and so like, if we want change, we have to be willing to allow truth to change the way we think. And I have to be able to take the scriptures and elevate it above my opinion and above my life's experience and say, this is true. Because if I can treat truth like it's actually truth and not God's opinion, then truth can change me and change the way I think, and that it's going to put me on a path of wisdom that's going to give me a better life. Do you know why the path of life is narrow? Broad is the way of destruction and narrow is the way of life. I do not believe that's in reference to salvation. I don't believe that's in people getting saved. Getting saved is literally the easiest thing in the world. Getting saved is easier than renewing your mind. Bro, you can get saved in a boop, bam, Jesus, outstretched hand. Take it. Simple. Easy, right? How I many you know mind renewal is me sitting down with the Word of God, me sitting down listening to truth, and allowing it to change the landscape of my mind and seeing areas of my life where I believed a lie about myself. How I many y'all think there's some areas of your life where you believed a lie about yourself? If you believe that lie, it's going to... It's, and you know what? Until you dismiss that lie with truth, that lie is a stronghold that's going to have you bear-hugged and going to keep you in that same mode of action, thought and action for years. Right? Now, listen, once again, transformation is not a product of self-will. This is not a self-help class. This is not how to climb the ladder. Your part is to behold Jesus. As you behold Him, you're changed into the same image from glory to glory. Don't try to change yourself. Just look and see who Jesus is and recognize that that's now who you are in Him. Are y'all tracking me here? This is a huge difference because you can take an approach of truth in a legalistic approach and you can constantly be working on yourself. Well, I'm trying to fix this and I'm trying to be more patient and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that and I, 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 I. I fails. He does not. So the, the transformation is, I see Jesus. I'm looking at Jesus. I am, I am in Him. I'm, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a good person. I'm patient. I'm loving. I'm kind. I have a new identity. I'm faithful. Can I get an amen? That's who you are. It's not who you're trying to be. It's who you are. <clears throat> Identi- the identity of heaven has been planted on the inside of you. Amen? How I many you know it awakes as you behold Jesus through the gospel? But, but there is an element of embracing Him and letting go of that false reality of who we thought we were and allow truth to come in and change us. So, so that the stronghold can be torn down. What's a stronghold? It's a, it's a thought process that we've embraced for a long period of time that's a lie. You know, I think I shared a couple weeks ago, I got really good at, at quitting. I was a good quitter. I, was, I knew how to quit. I could quit anything. I quit a class. I quit a, I quit a sport. What, if I don't like it, if I feel uncomfortable, I quit. And one of the things that God had to teach me was how to be faithful. Because I, I really didn't know. And so he taught me how to be faithful in a very menial job for many years for the, for, for the purpose of changing me and allowing me to to, to awake to who I really was. I had spent many years just quitting everything. 
And, and, and how many know, as a believer, you're not a quitter. You are not a quitter. Oh, no. No, no. The, the, the Christ in you. How many know Jesus didn't quit? You, you're called to be more than an overcomer. You're called to be more than a conqueror. Now, that doesn't mean seasons of your life don't change and you don't change things. And, you know, I mean, you got different seasons. But at the end of the day, a spirit of a quitter is not in you. Amen. There's a, and, and so... Um, God had to teach me that. He had to change the way I thought. I had a stronghold in my mind. If it's uncomfortable and I don't like it, I'll quit. <laughs> Amen. How I many know that is not the recipe for success in life? Because quite often it is uncomfortable and we don't like it and we don't want to do it. Praise God. Amen. And, and so there's something that God wants to develop in our life called persistence. Amen. Um, just being, learning how. And, and it's actually a part of your nature. But I had a stronghold of that. It had to be torn down. A couple of weeks ago, Brian was sharing how he had a, um, a stronghold of rejection that had to be torn down. And so let me read you this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds. What's that mean? That means a lie that I believe about myself that's not true. I embrace the truth that God has, and then I pull that stronghold down with the truth. And one of the things that, that God just... I was, I, was, I was running on the treadmill a couple weeks ago. Man, God just dropped this in my heart. How many know that, that during the you know, biblical times, a big part of warfare was sieging something, put a siege on something. Let me convey that for a second. They would, go, they would go to a city, they would surround it with troops, nothing could go in and nothing could come out, and what would happen is the people on the inside would basically starve and get weak because they didn't have any form of supply. And so it was a big part of the warfare uh, during you know, biblical times, Talk, talks constantly about you know, the, they besieged this city and they besieged that city. And, um, and so what God dropped in my, my heart in just a moment is this, besiege that stronghold. That, I'm talking about that stronghold in your mind. What are you talking about in regards to that, Jeremiah? And say someone had a stronghold of lust, okay? And they were struggling with that, right? That stronghold, how I many of oh, that's not, number one, it's not your identity. Can I get an amen? It's not who you are. You're a child of God. Amen. You're You're pure. Thoughts of the righteous are right. But that stronghold that has been placed inside of someone, how many know that what you can do is you can bring truth and start to bombard that stronghold? What's the truth you bring? That I'm a child of God, that I'm the righteousness of God, um, that the thoughts of the righteous are right, and I'm pure. How many know that's the truth? And then you starve out that stronghold by not allowing thoughts to go, to go in that direction. How I many of you, know, you can starve out that thinking process? How I many of you, know, it's difficult to starve out a stronghold when you're feeding it? That could be, it could be fear, it could be anxiety, it doesn't have to be lust, it doesn't have to be temptation, it could be fear, it could be anxiety, it could be worry or whatever. You just make a decision, I'm not allowing my mind to go there. And when my mind, see, the challenge is a lot of times is we're all a little bit more accountable for our actions than we are our thoughts. We're like, well, I mean, you know, I didn't do it. You know, I didn't actually do that. 
And so we have this sense of accountability in our behavior, which is good. But how many know if we'd be accountable to our thoughts, our actions would take care of themselves? Are y'all tracking me here? How many know you're not doing something until you've already thought about it for a long time? And so by the grace of God, you can lay siege to an area in your life that is a stronghold, that is a lie that you're looking to bring down. You bombard that thing with the truth. Let's say it's, let's say it's one about fear or worry. And I've been given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. How many know you got to speak? You got to say it. You got to say it. <laughs> you got to say it. And not, not from this weird legalistic, like you're trying to do a magic trick, say it. Not, not this weird legalistic formula, but the spirit of faith speaks. And God has made you a speaking spirit, and there's power in your words. And when a thought is trying to come against you, and it's trying to, it's trying to bring you down, say it's a thought of fear. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about putting lights on in my house. And, you know, and the enemy just kept you know, laying this scenario that I was going to break my leg. I'm going to break my leg. You're going to break your leg. You're going to get up on that ladder, you're going to break your leg. Whole day, I fought thoughts of fear that I was going to break my leg on this roof, right? Now, what's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to impregnate my mind with a scenario to get into my heart and then bring it into my life. I mean, you know, if I spend enough time thinking about it and scared of it and saying it out of my mouth, it's eventually going to happen. It's an attack. And so what I've got to do is I've got to cut off the attack. I've got to cast down that imagination. And I've got to say what God has said about me about my situation, and about my scenario, because I can't allow that fear to give birth in my life. Are y'all tracking me here? Every fear is like that. Even every temptation is like that. We can't allow it to, to, to give birth and bring to pass. How do we do that? Well, we got to speak. we got to say something. Amen? And, and, and that's and because that's what God is giving you. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I just want to empower you here to understand, you are not subject to your thoughts. Okay? You're not subject to the strongholds that have been built in your mind. You're not subject to these things. You know, people will, people will, will, will say that about, you know, oh, they're a loser, they'll always be a loser. Well, they're fearful, they'll always be fearful. No, no. How many know that, that through the renewing of your mind, you can bring forth the beauty of Christ that's on the inside of you on the outside of you. How many know you can change? By the grace of God, you can change. You don't have to stay that way. And but, tr- but it, it, the necessary part of change is bringing truth in. Now, you know who will resist change the most many times in you? Are the, are the people you love around you. Family members. People that are close to you. How many know people like it when you are what they want you to be? They like that. And when you start changing, they don't always like it. And, and that's okay, because they're, they're used to you being a certain way. But how many know God's like, amen, God's like, I'm going to get back to a point I was making earlier that I didn't finish. That path of life, broad is the way of destruction, narrows the path of life. That path of life, man, that's that place of grace and truth and, allow, and listening to the Lord and being spirit-led, and allowing wisdom to come in and bring change into your life. How I many you know wisdom will, is a peaceable path that will bring good things to you? Can I get an amen? And we do it out of a place of relationship. 
Now, the beauty of God's grace is this. When you mess everything up and make every bad decision, it does not disqualify you for the promises of God. Can I get an amen? All the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Jesus is your qualifier. But how many know there's a path? You're you're week ahead, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's a path of wisdom in everything that you do. From dealing with your in-laws, dealing with your family, driving, eating, sleeping, everything, there is the most optimal path. How are you going to find it? A, Scripture, giving you broad strokes of wisdom. B, the leading of the Spirit. How many of the Spirit of God will lead you not to say something? Oh, yes. The Spirit of God will lead you to say something. More times, He leads you not to say something. But how many know that you can navigate? There's a path of life through your week. How many know there's a broad path of destruction? But there's a path of life. How many know it happens out of relationship with the Lord? Let God lead you. When, you. when you feel that hunger for the Lord, or you feel that time to pray, go pray. You know what I'm saying? When you feel that time of spending time in, in, in the Scriptures, go, go spend some time in the Scriptures. When you, when, you, when, you, when you feel that unction to clean your house, clean your house. You're like, Jeremiah, I ain't never see, received that unction before. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. Amen. But, but God, but seriously though, man, God, he, he just knows how to live life. How many know Jesus said he'd live his life through you? Christ in you. Amen. And so there's a, there's a path of wisdom. Amen. There's broad way of destruction, but there's a place of wisdom. There's a place of leading. How many know that's what true Christian maturity is, is how to be spirit led. Not how to be pastor led. Not how to be church led. How to be spirit led. I mean, you have your own relationship with God. Can I get an amen? You know, and, and it's so sad. So many churches, we teach everybody how to be pastor-led. That's not scriptural. Now, now I'm not saying that there, we need leaders and we need pastors and they need to come and break the bread and feed the sheep and counsel people and help people. But at the end of the day, you need to be with God for yourself. You need to, because Monday he ain't going to be with you or she ain't going to be with you. How many know you need God? How many know God's never, God's always with you? And he'll tell you what to do. He'll show you, man. He will. He just, oh, spirit-led life, man. It's just a way to go. Um, so, amen. All of that being said, when you change, sometimes the people that resist the most are the people that know you the best. But how many know that the caterpillar is not called to stay on the ground? And sometimes he got to back up a little bit and cocoon himself in something that's going to transform him. And fly. How many of you know flight is better than crawling? <laughs> I mean, it's just better. It's just flat out better. But how many of you know in order to fly, there has to be a transformation time? And see, in the kingdom, you don't get one transformation time for your mind. It happens over and over and over again. Now, how many of you know there's one transformation time for your spirit? You get born again. But I have grown more this year than I've grown in the past 10 or 15 years. I know, I know 2020 has been a, just a junky year and it's been a lot of challenges and stuff, but I can look back on this year and I have, I have personally grown more this year than I have in the past 20 years. I really have. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm thankful. And it, and it wasn't fun. <laughs> and it was uncomfortable and it was challenging. But um, how many know God is committed to you? 
and He's committed to helping you. And so you're going to have seasons of transformation where, where change is brought into your life. But in order to embrace that change, you've got to be willing to admit you're wrong yeah. about some stuff. Okay, get an amen. And see, it's easier to admit we're wrong when we stop identifying with, with our decisions. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, humility lends itself for correction. But when I'm so proudful, prideful, and it's got to be my way, and that's me, 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 and it's me, it's me, and then you bulldoze your way through life, you become unteachable, and you don't really change. And you're a caterpillar crawling rather than a butterfly flying. Amen. And, 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 and I'm talking to myself as well because I've had areas in my life that I just refuse to change. I said, no, that's who I am. And you know what? I got to enjoy the hard knocks of caterpillar life <laughs> until finally, you know what I'm saying? Until, until finally, it's like, you know what? This stinks. And God's like, I know. I've been trying to get you to change <laughs> in this area of your life, you know? Like, you know, how I many know wisdom will come a lot of different ways? How I many know the primary way it comes is through Scripture? But how I many know that, that it'd be good if we listen to people sometimes? I mean, amen. Listen to uh, your spouse. Amen. Listen to your kids. <clears throat> Seriously. Listen. Just listen. You know, because if we'll, if we'll take our identity and we won't put it in us always being right, I'm always right, I know what's going on, then we will actually, the Bible says a wise man loves reproof. Why, why does he love it? Because being wrong stinks. Because it's not about him being wrong or right. It's about the truth. You understand what I'm saying? Like, exalt the truth and let it be less about you. Because if it can be less about you, then you can take truth and cr truth will make you fly, man. Truth will make your life better. It'll make your marriage better. It'll make your, your raising your kids better. It'll make your finances better, the health of your body better. Truth. It works. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But we have to be ready to be corrected when we're wrong and to not take it personal. You know, we live in a time where there's a real famine of truth. And, and, and not only that, there's a famine of people being able to be corrected. Because what happens is, if I don't like what you're saying, I'm offended. And I cancel your voice out of my life. Where does that lead? Destruction. Destruction, man. We, we, and, here, and you know what? Truth will offend. Truth does not need anyone's permission to be truth. Truth's like, I'm the truth. <laughs> you can believe a thousand lies, but there's only one truth in that particular scenario. You follow me? But we're living in a world where people are trying to, to perceive truth as relative. Well, that's your truth, and this is my truth, and truth is relative. I used to embrace that as a teenager, big time. I'd argue all day long with you over the concept of truth. But you know, I met Jesus, and I found out I was wrong. <laughs> I'm no longer a philosopher. I mean, I've hung up. The, I, why? Why would, I, why would I think? Like Casey did a post the other day about philosophy, and it was pretty accurate. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like my days of philosophizing... 
And that's how I did it, because I'm from Kentucky, and that's what we do. My philosophizing days, day is over. Well, when you find truth, why do you need, I mean, I mean like, Jesus is truth. I don't, I don't need to think about Plato's wall anymore. Or, you know what I'm saying? I don't need all that stuff anymore. I got the truth now, you know? Amen. But truth is not relative. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is truth and there's not truth. You know, you, you follow me? And, but, and so as we embrace truth and we allow ourselves to be corrected, there's awesome things that happen into our lives and there's transformation that happens. Because, I mean, you know, there's, some, there's some circumstances in all of our lives that's been stumbling us for a long time. And God wants you to fly over it. He doesn't... And A, it begins by realizing that that stumbling point is not your identity. That's not who you are. I don't care how many times you've done it. I don't care if you've done it your whole life. If, you, if, you're, if you're a believer and you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You're a temple of the living God. Amen. You're a child of God. You're one spirit with the Lord. <clears throat> All your sins and lawless deeds, He remembers no more. You're pure. You're clean. You're right. But then the next thing is begin to embrace that as your reality and, 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 and allow that truth to come into your mind so that you can not keep stumbling at that same point, but you can soar over it. Y'all tracking me? You know, you know something I think about every once in a while? What if David never killed Goliath? What would his life have looked like? What if Goliath followed David around his whole life, mocking him, yelling at him? And sometimes I feel like for some of us, we've had addictions, temptations, challenges that we haven't, by the grace of God, taken the head off of yet. And it's yelling at us, mocking us. And I'm here to tell you that God doesn't want you living your life with the enemy trying to mock you and shame you and downgrade you. There is a way above all that. Can I get an amen? There's a place of transformation where that, 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 the head of that giant, that problem, that stronghold, that addiction, that lie, that fear, that anxiety, that thing falls and hits the ground. Are you tracking me? And that voice is shut up. And it can't yell at you any longer. It can't shame you any longer. It can't accuse you any longer. You know why? It's not who you are. How many of you know that Goliath looked at David and thought he saw a small, ruddy boy with sticks? What if David believed that lie? What if David took Goliath's accusation and embraced it as who he was? I'm just a small shepherd boy with sticks and stones. I'm just a child. What if he did that? What if the slanderous accusation of the problem had the ability to cause your identity that you embrace to not be true? How many of you know then Goliath would have owned him if Goliath could have gotten Goliath's image of who David was into David's heart? Amen. How many know that David didn't even need the image that his father had about him? 
If you look at David's life, his dad did not esteem him. How you know? He didn't invite him. Here comes the prophet into town. All right, here's my six sons. These guys got to be king. They didn't even invite David. Why? Because they thought there's no way David could be king. How I many you know his father's self-image of who he was was not accurate? How I many you know Goliath's self-image of who he was was not accurate? Who determined David's identity? The Lord God Almighty. And the Lord God Almighty said, that's a king. Not that, not that, not that. Right there, that's a king. I mean, no one could see that David was a king except God. Things that you've struggled with for your whole life, things that have tried to hold you down, things that have tried to define you and say who you are, God looks at you and He doesn't see you like that. He doesn't see you anxious and worried and unworthy and addicted and trapped. How many know God sees who you really are? How many know it didn't matter who Goliath thought David was? It didn't matter who David's father thought he was. It didn't matter what his, who his brothers thought he was. The only thing that mattered is what God believed about David and what David believed about David. And God managed to get into David's heart. This is who you are. And so because it was in his heart, it came out of his mouth. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? David didn't say, who is this giant to defy me? He wasn't that foolish. He said, who is this giant to defy God? So if you'll take a stand against that stronghold and say, what is this stronghold to defy the God, my God, my salvation, the Christ in me? Are y'all tracking me here? See, your your challenging area, it's not fighting you, it's fighting God. It's not about you winning the battle, it's about the Lord winning the battle. How many know when David slung the stone, it wasn't about the stone? It wasn't about the stone. Who guided the stone? The Lord guided the stone. Who made it hit Goliath's head? The Lord did. Who caused him to fall? The Lord did. Who gave him the courage to run? The Lord did. And so this this challenge that you've been fighting for your whole life, God will give you the victory, but He just needs you to see you the way He sees you. Not the way the people around you have seen you. Not the way your father, not the way your brothers, not the way your mama, not your teachers, not your coaches, not your friends. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, show me who I am. He's going to show you Jesus. So this is who you are. You're strong and you're valiant and you're kind. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Amen. That's when giants fall. That's when strongholds come down. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I mean, if David didn't kill Goliath, it would have changed his life rather dramatically. Right? And what, what's the beautiful thing about your life and my life is we're not on some timetable. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. The fruit on your tree is going to be different than the fruit on somebody else's tree. 
How many know you're not running against someone else? You're running your own race, your singular race, right? How many know you're not trying to get somebody else's crown? You're getting your crown. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I'm saying don't put a timetable on your deliverance. Don't put a timetable on the renewal of your mind. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And quickly, I just want to bring out one last point, just very quickly. I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Come on, this battle is the battle in your mind, okay? The war has been won in the realm of the Spirit. The battle's in your mind. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, I'm going to bring out two points here and we're going to close down. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here's the thing. The enemy has the ability. He's always trying to build a stronghold of a false identity in you. We've talked about that all morning. Okay? But then he also has these little fiery darts where he tries to shoot a lie into your head. He doesn't come from the third person. It comes from the first person. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. You know, I'm no good. I'm lazy. I'm bad. I'm this. I'm whatever. Those are not your thoughts. Can I get an Amen. Those aren't your thoughts, man. Those are the fiery darts of the wicked one. How do we take care of the fiery darts of the wicked one? Well, he gave us a whole brigade of armor, but we're just going to focus on two things real quickly. Sword of the Spirit, shield of faith. Okay? Sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. When the enemy was trying to tell me he's going to break my leg, and I was going to fall and break my leg, I got it out of my own mouth. No, the Lord's given His angels charge over me. No evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Just allowing the love of God. Why? Because I'm not going to allow that fiery dart to come into my mind and build a fire. I'm going to put it out. I'm going to put it out. Why? I'm going to say what God has said. Now, this is what I've really been trying to get to. The shield of faith, man. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Listen, how many know fiery darts are everywhere right now? Bad news everywhere. Fear everywhere. Okay? It says the shield of faith is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Wouldn't it be nice to have the ability to quench some of the enemy's lies before it got to your mind? You know? Wouldn't it be nice to have something that would block it? Right? So that you wouldn't have to deal with every single little thought that came in. Right? That shield of faith... You build up your shield of faith by hearing the promises of God and understanding that they're all yes and amen in Jesus. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? For example, okay? How many know that you know, the enemy tries to make people afraid of all kinds of things right now? But how many know the promise of, how many know the Lord said that he would be your shield? That he would be your protector? That no plague would come near your dwelling? That, 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 that you would be protected. He's given his angels charge over you. 
He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my stronghold, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. As I put my attention on the promises and I hear the promises, my shield of faith builds up to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. But if I take my attention and my focus and I put it on, on, on fearful news and fear-based stuff and problem after problem after problem, how I many you know my shield of faith is going to get really small and it's going to shrink up and I'm not going to be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and my mind is going to be left open and naked and I'm going to be in a state of a thought battle that brings tremendous turmoil and disrest into my heart. How I many know you have a choice on what you focus on? If you'll focus on the Lord, focus on His promises, how I many know that will build up your protection against fear? It'll build up your protection against fear. If I took, if I took the next 24 hours and I just listened to, to, to the news reporting fear, how I many know that that's going to impact the peace in my heart and in my mind? If I just, next 24 hours, all I did was listen to the bad report of the world. How I many know that the fiery darts of the wicked one would have a tremendous ability to stick in my mind? And I had no shield and I just had to fight with a sword. How I many know that's a tough battle? But what if for the next 24 hours I listen to the promises of God? I listen to the Lord's faithfulness and how much He loves me. Promises of protection, promises of provision. How many of my shield of faith is going to build up? And how many of those, those fiery darts are going to get quenched? Still, there's going to be some that gets through, and i got to address, but how many know there's less that's going to get through? How, how many of y'all know that when you spend time with the Lord, it changes the way you see the life? Just, just spend time in Scripture, time in the promises. How many of you build yourself up? I mean, the enemy doesn't have the same ability to freak you out with all those fiery darts. Can I get an amen? That's a decision you can make. That's a choice you can make. And we live in a world where it's, it can be real challenging because there's so many distractions going on. But we have the ability to build up that shield of faith so that we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and we can live in peace in a world that's full of turmoil. Are y'all tracking me here? We can do it. Amen. Okay, all right, cool. If you need to give an offering this morning, lift your hand up and we'll get one to you.